0: Welcome to the Getting Real with Hillary Show, where ordinary heroes tell extraordinary stories during unique and never-been-heard-before conversations with your host, Hillary Arno Burns. Hillary's unique listening and way of asking questions results in conversations that aren't usually talked about, so you can create the life that you really want but are afraid you can't really have we are demonstrating the greatness in the human spirit and creating a world where we all reclaim our birthright of joy, happiness, purpose, and passion. Now, here's your host, Hilary Arno Burns. Welcome to the Getting Real with Hillary show. And today we have a very special guest, Robert Chun. Robert is a master business coach who has spent more than 26 years perfecting his proactive business coaching process. He's been coaching and consulting since 1988, before there was even a business co- coaching industry. So you could say he is one of the pioneers of this industry, and I am very, very excited to have him on the show. Welcome, Robert.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me be here. Um. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, so so you have an interesting story. Um, you were born in... Um,
1: I, I was born in Seoul, Korea in 1962. And uh, my story is that one day my father came when I was nine years old and told my mom to go to America because education, they were free, there were a lot more opportunities. My mom basically said, you're crazy. Why would we want to go to the country and start over? And my dad said... Because we want to, and he did. And I came here in 72 and grew up here and uh, uh, became a business coach because I took this uh, course, believe it or not, call, uh, at the time it was called something else. But the course call was called uh, uh, Forum, Forum Forward. And in the course, they talked about world being the way it is and people need to be responsible uh, for getting better. And I was a very young person at the time. And so I said, you know, I want to be responsible for people being able to raise families. And to do that, you need to have income. And the only way to be free above all racial issues and so forth is by having a business. So at that moment in time, I said, I'm going to be building a lot of small businesses. And then um, I ended up meeting my mentor after I graduated from college. And then that's what I've been since 88 um coaching consulting small businesses and building organizations and affiliates
0: so so what was the thing you did when you came i want to go back to seoul korea but before that when you said the forum forward how old were you when you discovered that
1: i think i was like 22 years old 23 years old um okay a friend of mine came and said you got to do this thing and the original course was called the est and i took the est training because a friend of mine came and said you got to do this and i put 50 dollars down and I ended up doing a lot of yard work to raise the rest of the money and doing the course. It was an interesting course, but I've been participating in the S10 Landmark Forum ever since, on and off.
0: Okay. All right. So, all right. So, we'll get back to that. Now, let's go back. I know you were, for your first nine years, you were in Seoul, Korea. Mm-hmm. And then you said your father said he was going to come here. Did he come here by himself first?
1: Uh, yes, he did for a year. What happened was uh, he knew Bob Lewis from a U.S. Attaché, and they became drinking buddies in Vietnam. My dad tried to open restaurants in Vietnam, didn't work out. And so, as uh, a drinking buddies, they drank almost every night. They said, "Why be You gotta take your kids, go to America. There'll be so much opportunities there." Eventually, Bob Lewis, my godfather, wore him down. That's the true story, and then we ended up living here
0: okay so your dad's so just set this up again you you're he's still in seoul korea right
1: mm-hmm.
0: and bob lewis says yeah
1: yeah he Where said bob? What, bob lewis was att- an attache attached to the u.s embassy Oh. and okay. they were friends from the korean war days okay and yeah so, so he
0: they was were
1: the one that said that's no, my dad and my dad once he made up his mind, nobody could stop him. And me, uh, my dad, my mom, four other kids all came to, from, to L.A. Wow.
0: And did he have a job when he, when did
1: he have a job? No, not at all. We just came and we looked for apartment. And my mom, to this day, she passed, mom and dad passed away. But to this day, I think even before he passed away, he my dad was crazy at the time. And uh, um, he <clears throat> got a job at a fish and chip store with an old Jewish guy who couldn't sell the store because it it nobody wanted, it was not profitable. So my dad said, Look, I'll take over, co cool sign for me. If it doesn't work out, take it back. So uh, we went to, I'm, I think, Wells Fargo at the time. And uh, we got a loan and we got a fish and chip store. That's how we began our adventure in America. Little restaurants for whole family works, and it works because there's no payroll except for my dad, right? So as a result, we were able to, you know, grow and build and those little, little small chain of restaurants for fish and chips. So imagine Korean guys working, uh, mom, dad, me, and my sister working in a restaurant, cleaning, and making fish and chips. And uh, I learned about America in the most interesting way. It was at the corner of Fairfax and Santa Monica. And uh, the place is gone now. It's Whole Foods, HP, Alpha Beta there. Mm. And I remember being exposed to different Americans, you know, blacks, whites, Mexicans, getting fish and chips. I guess, no you know, people buy the, how much fish and shrimp they will buy. And one day, this most beautiful lady came along and got five pieces of chips and five pieces and fries, chips, right? And I said to myself, God, there is heaven. I'm like, I don't know, 11 off. Well, I go, uncle was working with his uncle. This is the most wonderful country in the world. It has beautiful men like this, coming to a place like this and getting fish and chips. My uncle said, Bob, you a lot to learn. What do you mean? She's totally beautiful. God, you know, he says, Bob, she is a guy. <laughs> what, <laughs> but uncle, So anyway, I learned a lot working at the future store because we got all kinds of people coming in, right? And then by the appearance you couldn't tell and I was being so young and impressionable. I should not have worked there that's that young, right? But because of that, um, I got to meet all kinds of people, all wonderful people, just very unique in their ways. So it was a, a growing experience learning about everything. And how long did your dad have?
0: So he expanded or?
1: Well, he, he expanded until my sister married a Jewish guy, Ken, a Jewish boy, I call him anyway, Ken in, and he and then we came for Gensler in Massachusetts. And well, as soon as uh, our first niece was born, my mom and dad sold everything, packed up, and became a permanent babysitter in Massachusetts. As soon as you lose, you know? I didn't get married till later. So she, her kids got the benefit of my mom and dad all the time. So
0: they just sold. Wow. After how many years?
1: 30 plus years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so that's what they do. Wow. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. So, so you came, so y'all came here. That's what y'all did. Mm -hmm. And, um, you said there was a, a Jewish guy, a grandmother, Mrs. Levinson. How did she factor in with the story?
1: Okay, so, God, you're <laughs> asking me too many questions, but i tell you anyway. So what happened was in 72, my dad tried to rent a room in Santa Monica, West LA area, and uh, we were living in motels at the time, and nobody would take families or kids. So after a week or so of that, He lied to this lady and said, it's just me and my wife. And then we snuck in at night, five of us. And basically, Dad said, don't be so loud. It went on for months. And one day, there was a knock on the door. Yurim and I opened the door, and it's Mrs. Levinson. And, uh, And she said, hi, kids. More scared. She was like that. She was this long pipe in a cigarette, right? Like the old days. Like in a cartoon, I was like scared. And she said, oh, you guys are playing here. It's okay. But, you know, my place is so much bigger. You should come and play over here. She seems nice. So we went. All of us went. So come six, seven o'clock. There's a knock on the door. It's my dad. Mrs. Levinson, by chance, you see um, kids running around here, for some why uh, YB, no, on the streets running around? No, I haven't seen any of them. And then Mrs. And then Mrs. Levinson said, um, I'm sorry. It's like, Mrs. Levinson, I would tell you a story. And I think my sister, John, and Jay came out and says, Dad. And uh, Mrs. Levinson said, YB, why don't you come? you got to tell me. i got a scotch for you. Got a Johnny Walker here for you. So, why don't you have a sip? Let's talk. Kids, go and play. Anyway, till his dying days, Johnny Walker was his best scotch ever. Scotch was <laughs> ever.
0: But was she the landlord? She was the landlord? Landlady. Landlady. That had yeah. that he had said you, he didn't have kids with
1: too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but she, she became our there. grandmother and uh, she became our babysitter, and we would go to her after school.
0: Yeah. But so so he had lied but it was fine she was cool
1: Wow yeah, she, uh, thanks to her we we stayed there for many many years yeah. before we went to Las feelings Yeah <coughs> Wow That's nice it's a
0: nice story Okay so back to you so you grow up you're working at the fish and chips you go to college
1: I go to UC Davis I worked way school Yeah
0: And what and what did you study there
1: Originally it was pre med, but I could I could not pass the second quarter, second semester of organic chemistry. So I changed and uh, my grade suffered and I passed around and eventually I graduated with a degree in psychology.
0: Okay. And did you when you graduated you said, you know, you went and did the S, but before that
1: uh, what did you did think the, you were gonna do? I thought i was having a therapist and after graduation Uh, With a bachelor degree, you can not get a real job. But I ended up uh, doing some uh, behavior modification program studies and residential places. And I found that it was all business more than healing people. And I was very disappointed because I thought I was very idealistic at the time. So I thought, you know, people are doing it out of altruism. But not really. It It was a business to run X number of kids and people through the system. And uh, I left there and uh, my dad was horribly upset because went to school for six years, worked my right way through school, changed major, and uh, couldn't get a real job. And when I finished that stint, I tried to, at the time, believe it or not, be a management trainee at Sears and uh, um, JCPenney. I thought, might as well. But they said, you know, you're two years old and our regular people apply after college, so. You're not gonna go. So I was lost, and uh, and uh, uh, my dad was horrified and upset, you know, because you put a son through school, and, and he works too. But you know, you do hard work, but nothing comes out of it. So I'm there working at UCLA, Moldex Metrics, Candle Corporation. You know, just wandering around. And uh, but I met my mentor, Steven Gabriel, I was a receptionist at a place called. Ah, uh, Lam- uh, Education Center in Las- uh, Santa Monica, Los Angeles. And uh, that changed Wait, my he, life.
0: He was the receptionist.
1: No, I was the receptionist. This nice man wearing a nice clothes approached me and I says, "Hi, this is one, so can I help you. Can I route you?" And he said, "No, but I don't want to talk to you." I said, okay. So, so you're you know he basically told me who I, what my name was. He knew I went to college, he knew what I studied. You know, but he was just very checking. It was like checking on me. Like you're this person, right? Basically, I said yes. He said, you know, uh, Robert. How did
0: How did he know that? Had you told him?
1: Apparently, I don't know. He knew. Wow. Uh. So. And uh, he said, you know, I started a consulting company recently, and and I would love to have you as my client. I said, um, why? basically. Are you sure? And he said, sure. i give you a car. so sold this place. And, uh, you know, he said he could help. So I said, look, I just need to get a real job and be functional. And he said, sure. And he helped me and charged me. I remember the price, $100 a month. I was going there every week, crying and doing the stuff and eventually getting a decent job, buying and selling old cassette stuff on a recycler. Uh, um, buying, uh, you know, doing stuff and, you know, became stable. And then one day he said to me, Robert, you're not going to keep going this way. What do you want to do with your life, really? I really want to help you. And I said, Stephen, I'll be like you because you don't seem to work that hard and you got all these things. Stephen said, "It's, it's a little bit harder than you think. And I said, Okay, but I, I would love to learn if I could. He said, "Well, if you can work really hard for, say, um, ten years, you'll learn all the stuff that I know and you'll be able to have a business." And I said, "Stephen, you don't know me well. I'm going to work really hard. I can get, to, I can learn everything in three years." He's looked at me with this thin, razor-thin eyes for a second. He says, "Robert, you're so stubborn. It's going to take you 30 years before you learn everything. But you want to try?" It? You can do it. I said, great. And then he raised my rate to $200. I was shocked. But I had the pride, so I paid the $200, came back for a month. Then he raised the $400. And I, I just was like let letting down that I didn't have that kind of money. So and he doubled to $800. And I said, "Steven, I cannot keep on going because I don't have that kind of money. He just laughed and said, just want to see how far you'll go. And they said, so come on next week. So that I got excited. I stood up and sat and destroyed his wooden chair. And the uh, next time I came back, the wooden chair was replaced by a steel chair. <laughs> and the uh, rest is history because I learned everything from him. And along so with. Were you,
0: were you still paying him at that point?
1: No, he said, I don't want your money. Your money's out here.
0: So you, so you were, but he wasn't paying you to, to learn. No. Did he pay you to work there? No. No. And uh,
1: um, I was just apprenticing, basically, like, I was, like any uh, metalsmith or a, or a wood chopper or whatever, or ceramic style person. I was learning consulting from him. And I would come up with interesting ideas. He would show me things, show me draw pictures, and this would be where he starts out from nothing to something, the process, and all this stuff. <clears throat> And he would go over things over and over again, but I would keep on showing up. And uh, um, he found out later on that I was taking on small, tiny clients on my own. And he said, why are you wasting time on these people? You know, I'm teaching a corporate consulting. These people are not even corporations. They're really individuals. They're like trace people, handymen. You know? I said, Stephen, you have all those connections. I don't. So they're, they're, to me, they're business people. They provide promises for goods and services. They provide those. And they're good people. I'm, I'm like their coach. Mm-hmm. So what did I call this thing? I'm going to call it business coaching. He said, Rob, I don't think it's going to ever work. Uh, you know, you'll not make it. But if you really want to do this, go out there and talk to people about it. And, uh, and uh, do it for a year, and I'll help you. But you gotta tell people three people, three people per day, and you gotta share what what it is and figure this out. So I did that. After he said, okay, I'll help you. And um, I never looked back since. Wow.
0: So were those small clients at the beginning, <clears throat> were they paying you?
1: Uh, very little amounts, like fifteen dollars a month, hundred fifty dollars a month. But I was you know, I was more committed to them succeeding than anything else. And uh because I saw myself in them, you know? And uh I just had to learn new things, so they became my guinea pigs too.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I wanted them.
0: Yeah. Right. Like what's this like what's one story that you helped?
1: Um. hmm.
0: Like the tree guy or the
1: Okay. So uh, there was a guy who was in chiropractor, and he, he was uh, uh, actually using acupuncture as well. And uh, um, he was trying to promote, and he was having a hard time. So we came up this concept of uh, testing people for blood, you know, blood slide looking at a microscope. What uh, what we noticed was that people who were in chiropractic acupuncture would not test people every three months, four months to see how they are doing. So we came out with this little card. We passed it around the neighborhoods under Santa Monica and his business grew because we're the, at the time, this was in
0: early nineties,
1: only little chiropractic acupuncture place that would regularly test people for results. What kind
0: of results were they?
1: Uh, Energy. Uh, oxygenation, uh, how the blood uh, works, how healthy the bloodstreams were, all kinds of stuff, a lot of woo-woo stuff. But it's just that a lot of people during those days were doing integrated medicine, but wouldn't call it that at the time. And then, uh, but they would, nobody would test people to see if they got better or to have a scientific little graph that shows you were here, but you're there now. You were feeling this way, and now you're there. So. I incorporated measurements into acupunctures and chiropractors at the time, and it made a big difference because it created credibility to people who didn't have any at the time because they were considered then, less than.
0: So if they, so if they improved, it was, it was a result of the chiropractic or acupuncture.
1: acupuncture? Right, we could show that.
0: I didn't know that they had anything to do with the blood.
1: Uh, yes, but blood, oh. uh, nutrition, all of it, so so yeah, so it was bigger than that, it yeah, bigger than so we yeah. were able to monitor their health, energy, vitality, and uh, learn uh, you know, and uh, and then so my clients I had them learn how to read cholesterols, how to read all these things that the doc only doctors used to do this was late eighties, early nineties at the time why wow. so um. That was useful, and other times what would happen is I would get situations like, Robert, I'm calling you because i got to close my shop down. Why do you want to hire me? It's, well, they're like my family. i got to fire them all. And I go, why? Well, we manu- we ship and sell uh, sewing machines and manufacturing for clothing factor- factories in Los Angeles area at the time, breaking jackets and stuff, but... The main company in Midwest is shutting down. So there's no more machines. So I got to fire people and I can't do it. So I said, at the time, I was short of cash and everything, so I can't take it on." And I walked into this beautiful, huge warehouse and there were machine parts all around. I said, why are these here? Well, because you know, the company in Midwest was very slow in responding. So we had to fix the machines ourselves for our customers. And I wandered around. I taught him how to manage 450 items at a time and things like that. And so I said, Is it okay if we don't fire people? He said, Of course, but it's impossible because there's no more machines. They're not manufacturing anymore. They're going bankrupt. And I said, Trust me, you're paying me money. He says, Okay. So we waited for the Midwest factory to shut down, we waited for all the companies to shut down. And we got all the salespeople together, they're gonna fire them. And I said, no, we're gonna be selling them lease and maintenance contracts to all the customers because there's no more machines. All the machines are now in the factories, but they put six figures in, it's a lot of money during those days, into the machines, but there's no way to fix them anymore. No way to take care of them anymore. So I want you to go to all your customers, your competition's customers, and they come up with a leasing and maintenance programs so so they went from like oh my god we're gonna lose our job to like let's get busy and the maintenance people who was at the lowest level of totem pole in their company became the highest wow so oh.
0: so they <clears throat> so i'm trying to follow it so okay there were no more machines being but paid. except
1: for, yeah but they, they were all in c- cities and Places nearby, LA and California, Arizona, whatever, right? Yeah. But nobody's maintaining them because the original factory's gone. Everything, all the maintenance is shut down. Okay. And then this So, this they,
0: became, so they started selling maintenance because they knew how to do it.
1: They had to because the the factory was slow and lazy at the time, at least those are their words. Wow. So. They were happy. And then, of course, they were the only ones how to program the damn machines. <laughs> so the company evolved eventually into a software kind of company.
0: Were these like huge, big machines?
1: By my standards, yes.
0: It wasn't like a, a, like a you know, sewing you, machine
1: you, that... You cut things, you sew things, you know, those kind of machines, yeah.
0: So it was big. It was a big cool. machine.
1: Yeah, pretty big, but it's really small compared to the other ones. Yeah,
0: wow. So then they went into software. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. So what we do is we find a way, we find the pivot to make things work. There's always a path I I discover out of that job. There's always a way to find where you want to go. So that's what I learned from them. Wow. So obviously...
0: Obviously, you were looking at it from a different way than the <clears throat> owner who was kind of stuck in his paradigm, right?
1: Right, because, you know, if you set, get rid of all the employees and stuff, at least you can retire, you have a chance to survive, which is understandable yeah. because there yeah. was no hope, right? right. What are you going to do a bunch of salespeople Can cannot sell the right machines? What, what are you going to do if you get somebody, some other machines in there, but you cannot, you cannot retool and change fast enough? So, he was he does a rational move. I was yeah. an irrational yeah. person.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, um, all right. So, so you were shadowing Steve. You started your business after a year. It was making money, right? Mm-hmm. And then he said he would help you. So, did he help you after that?
1: Well, he he golden me on. He would say things like, "If you're a real consultant, you would do this." Or,'re in your army, you're not making enough money, you're the laziest person in the world." And he would like push me, and meeting a young, 20-some-year-old person, I would go like, "Steven, I'll show you." He okay, show me." So he manipulated the hell out of me to produce results. And you know, I think it was like 50-something year old at the time, and I was, he was like 20, 30 years senior to me. And uh, he was like a monk but a really smart, caring, tough monk, right? And, uh, but, I, but I, I was all wrong because on his 55th birthday, I said, no, 55th birthday, that's right. Uh, I went to Bel Air Hotel for an event and uh, there were five other people like me, all different races, different fields, manufacturing, software, real estate, I was the consultant, and they were all there with their wife and girlfriends. And we all looked at each other. It's like, how do you know Stephen? Really? So it was like a shock to meet yourself in different mm-hmm. ways, different color, different, you know, age and configuration in that event. And what shocked us was he was going to put on a cigar like he always do. And this woman appears and lights a cigar, this uh, young Ming Ko, one of the most successful consultants all of us knew at the time. And she was his girlfriend. So it just blew all of our mind that night because- Was he married? He, no, he was divorced. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, so yeah, he, he made a statement on his birthday he uh, made a
0: what statement
1: yeah, yeah because all of us thought he was like this single guy living this monastic life all of oh us. and uh, we all knew at the same time kind of like we've been had <laughs> <laughs> but in a good way in a good way yeah so, it was so like did he didn't...
0: profit from from helping you at all or he was just doing it out of the goodness of his heart
1: well he never charged any of us any money he was just
0: like your mentor like yeah
1: for for us he was like our second father or mentor for us wow yeah so i got very lucky my whole life became because of him wow
0: amazing okay all right so we're gonna go to our little commercial break now sure and then we're gonna come back and talk about what you've been up to recently and, and how people can find you and all that good stuff. So we're going to go to our sponsor. Has social-emotional learning become just one more thing on your teacher's plates? Do teachers and students both find it boring and ineffective? Then bring Kikori to your school. Kikori transforms classrooms through experiential SEL activities that help students play, reflect, connect, and grow. Even better, students say it's more fun than recess. Schedule a no-obligation conversation at kikoriapp.com slash bringkikori. K-I-K-L-R-I. Do you ever feel like you can't say what you really wanna say? Or that you're stuck or in a holding pattern in your relationships, career, personal life or finances? Are there things you want in life that you've given up on? Are you resigned that this is as good as it's going to get? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then Hillary Burns, host of the Getting Real with Hillary Show has the solution you need. Hillary is a published author of three books and has a program called The Getting Real Process. This process frees you from what is holding you back, allowing you to create a life you love. Don't believe it? It is hard to believe that it could work, isn't it? The proof is that hundreds of Hillary's clients have used The Getting Real Process and are now free to create whatever they want in relationships, career, finances, enjoying life, or just loving themselves more. So go to realtalkwithhillary.com and order Hillary's book, Real Talk, and set up a conversation. And thank you, as always, to our sponsor, KikoriApp.com. If you want to bring experiential social emotional learning to your children to schools to your companies go to kokoriapp.com and schedule a consultation and if you're stuck in any area of your life or you're not really free to speak up and talk go to realtalkwithhillary.com and schedule time with me and we will start having more fun and get you freed up creating a life you love Also, if you want to subscribe to my newsletter, every week there's links and stories and all sorts of really cool stuff. Um, You can find that at gettingrealwithhillary.com and just subscribe to my newsletter. It's free and it's really great, if I do say so myself. All right. And here we go. We're going to welcome back Robert Chun. Welcome back, Robert. Okay. (laughs) So what stories have we missed i know you know we didn't cover your dad who was ex-military but um you know we've already covered your business what else do you want to tell people what i know there's a lot of people who are small business consultants a lot of people you know want to coach me consult with me they all they all want my money and um how would you say, I mean, I know you're different, but how would you describe how, what, what is different about what you do than what the rest of the world does? Going to um,
1: I think no. uh, what makes me and other people I train different is we go at the pace that uh, our clients can go in. We work with people the way they are, and we don't change anything. We add research knowledge. We add or subtract people or structures so that transformation is easy. Transformation has a delight and a joy to it versus heart. See, we've been taught that growth is hard because it consists of training and development and building stuff. Our approach is different because we add things. We add parts and pieces that are missing. So we give people more completeness or wholeness. So let me give an example. Right now we're in a law firm. There's 20 people in the law firm. They close they have a marketing company they spend five figures on and they close six cases per week. Wonderful, right? And what I noticed is in the process, there is no customer service. None. So I took one of the receptionists with everybody's permission, actually that he wanted to uh, go up. So I, we said to him basically, you can move up. But I got to replace yourself at the lower level as receptionist. You have to learn these new softwares and develop these things, and I want you to go back and follow up on people. So now that company that used to produce six deals per week is producing eight, ten deals per week. Now it seems so simple, right? Because all all I happened was I took somebody reception taught them how to be a customer service, how to do the intake in a slightly different way. But what happens is that change over causes a big change because now the company has grown, when you go from six to 10, how big is the change? Tell me. It's a lot, right? Like 30 to 60% change. So without changing anything else in infrastructure, we grew the company 60% in two months. Wow. Pretty fun, right?
0: That one little change had them grow change. 60%. Wow.
1: Yeah, because. Now, they
0: like you. <laughs> oh,
1: they <laughs> love me. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, we teach people how to be their job. So we have a 37 year old new CEO who doesn't understand her job fully in her position in the organization. They have a 62 year old attorney who brought her, basically. And she comes to me semi upset and said, "What do I do?" I says, "Look, you're being a 37 year old female with 20, 15, whatever years experience, but what you want to be is you want to be chief operation officer of your company, and let me show you who did, what that they do." Two weeks later, and she said, "Oh my God, oh my God!" So what happened? Well, I went from being 37 a 37 year old person to the COO, which is ageless. I put on the hat, the position, and the lady who used to browbeat me now follows my lead because I speak facts. Hey, this is what happened. She goes into how little I know about law and says, that's okay, I don't think about law, but these are the numbers. You set X, you produce Y. I'm here to help you get to X. You can talk about my qualifications if you want to, but that's not my job. So, is she choose the whole relationship because she understands her job. I tell her, if you understand technology, if you understand your position, administration, you will always be free and powerful because they can mess with everything else except that. Knowledge will set you free. Knowledge will protect you from harm. You know, if you understand you know, 10 additional document language after constitution, right, 10 amendments, right, to free speeches, when they actually come to you to knock on your home, you can say, no, my amendment says otherwise. Knowledge and understanding of knowledge will protect you. So what I do is I arm the owners, executives, and managers with knowledge. Let me give you a simple example. we a budget, right? That's a simple question. Will your company grow next year? Yes, it will. Will there be new people? Yes, there will. Will people move up? Yes. So I go like this, what is your budget for your uh, payroll increase? What is the budget for raises? You know what the response is? Zero. So I go, since you're not accounting for raises, none of you here, anybody else will get a raise. And if you do, it will destroy the budget, right? You should have seen their faces, right? That's fun. So now we're setting a budget for next year with raises in mind as a section. So I do the simple things in life, like career ladders. Wait. Like what? Courier ladders. Like people oh, career people. Ladder. Yeah. I, I start R's and L's mess up sometimes. But the, so we teach people, this is how you move up. We're we at one company, we're redoing the employee manual. We teach them, like, this is the step to move up from your level to here. This is what you got to reach to get there. So people are walking in, uh, like, stupid little manual. But as they read, they get really interested. (laughs) So I I put stuff in there that used to exist in America that doesn't exist anymore. Things that were so part of American culture of businesses. There's a reason why somebody works for a company for 30, 40 years. There's why there's a reason why a company would actually give people who work for them pension instead of 401k. There's all these different reasons, right? People forgot. All I do is bring back integrity to the companies the way and what it can become as it grows.
0: So like what's an example yeah. of something in that manual?
1: Um, so for example, um maternity leave so you know when you uh how how would you deal with it how do you with sickness and stuff and how do you deal with employees who are creating the companies right so most of our human resource has become is a how to protect the company from workers versus how to take care of workers right so i go back to them and the people and the head and go well there might be a reason why there's a reason why they become like this. And I tried try to stop that from happening. So they become, uh, but people will still be greedy and still be dumb and all these things, but they'll be for the company instead of against the company. So the mistake really? will still be made, but it will be because they, they want to protect the company, not because they want to kill the company, right? So that's one example. other example is you know, how they work. Why would you structure work such a way that you grind people? Shouldn't the work be pleasant? And people go, no, this is the way we go. Well, you want to produce that result, but you're doing it this way, and you got to replace people every 2.7 years. What can we just hold on to five more years? to cause this much more. Okay, well, how can we use them so they make more profits? So what that increase? So, like one company right now, they have 60 people who do manufacturing work, but 20 people are now in the company are doing 3D printing. The company is growing at a 26% growth ratio per year. So I told the next um, owner of the company, who's the son, I charge you of growing the company so much, you can transition all the 60 people to new jobs. Okay, you got to grow at least three, four million next year, six, to five to six million next year. So we're now shifting the company so that we, 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 we can literally absorb the old workforce into the new system. And we're budgeting uh, for that. So how are you doing that? Well, you got to do education and training. you got to take people, teach them digital technology, teach them how to use certain machines. Those people can now, we've got to teach them how to do certain administration.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we need a budget for training development. Yeah. And we've got to allocate all that. So what are we, what are we doing the next year? Now, We're how getting, do you...
0: Yeah. How do you, um, you know, all these things that you come up with? Are you looking at numbers? Are you talking to people or both?
1: Like how I, do you... I, I talk to the owners. Business. I talk to the workers. And they tell me everything. Oh. It's just that they, they may not say it, but I can hear it And what they say, what they don't say. Oh, tell you what your work. What is it like? Oh, thank you. Tell me about so-and-so. How's it like? And such and such. What kind of gossip do you guys have, you know? I get to hear it all. So now I'm in the environment. And I get to see how it got created. And I get to start tweaking from the sideways. So when it starts to occur, it occurs magical because it's not something they don't know. It's something they know. You know, like the receptionist moving up to internal sales and customer service. They may have never experienced that because they're only 26 years old, but there are stories about companies like this, right? Mm -hmm. As a result, they go, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. People literally fall in line. Because we grew up in American culture, American business, and how it used to be 1980s, 70s, and 60s, time that I was born, 10, 20 years of age, right? But all of us inside of us is is this idealized uh, possibility of companies and and America that still exist. All I do is it can be this way right here with you at your job, and they go. Okay, I'll do my part.
0: So, okay. So how do you get them to trust you that they're <clears> telling you all this stuff? I mean, is I, that just I just, just listen.
1: Your... I just listen. I go, tell me about your history of how you got here. Tell the company and then they just pour it down on me. Wow. I guess I, get, I got used to it after a while. That's all I know. So they just tell me everything, and I go, okay. Then I start tweaking and making changes with permission from the owners.
0: Wow. So are you taking notes, or are you just storing it in your head? No?
1: Uh, I, yeah, because I, I've been doing this for 34 years. So everything is a pattern. So when they mm-hmm. tell me stories, it just falls into a particular pattern. It's, it's um, almost automatic unconscious kind of a thing.
0: But when you first started, how did you do it?
1: How did, a of notes. harder then? Lots of research, what? lots of lots of lots of research. I used to go to libraries and go to downtown libraries and go to financial sections and crawl there and look through books and stuff to figure stuff out. Because I couldn't tell people I didn't know. <laughs> now I know, but at the time I didn't know, so I did a lot of research. So I would consult them for an hour, but I will be four hours figuring this stuff out. Mm. But after a while, things starts to repeat and collide, and, and, and then you get to invent and make things up.
0: Wow. Does it ever get boring or no?
1: Uh, no, it gets exciting. You get calls in the middle of nights and you get activated, and you go things like, you know, I got a call in the middle of COVID. After six months of COVID, I got a call in the middle of the night going like, um, we'd like to hire you. Can you come to this location on this day for an 8 hours conference? Can I what this is? This is for COVID. We would like you to do such, such, such. Okay. I go, honey, I got a weird call. Uh, I ended up building a company called Infinity Health that provided 35,000 kids COVID testing every day.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And went well, through a aven- the bench.
0: Yeah. No, go ahead. What were you saying?
1: You no, know, people just call.
0: Well, how do they find you? Is it word of mouth?
1: On Google. Or? They find me on Google and they call me. They find me on Yelp and call me. So they go, how do you get these weird, exotic cases? Calls late at night. My cell phone rings. I'm trying to go to bed. Got the wrong time zone complaining about something. And go like, show up here do this. Okay.
0: Wow. And does, does everybody end up paying you or do you ever get stiff?
1: Uh, I don't get stiff because I'm not like old cash and carry grocery store. So I get paid every month, month by month on a retainer. So I do the work and like that. So people go, why are you running your business like that? Well, because that's what I know. And I don't have any receivables. I don't have any payables. Guess I'll handle right there. So I got to live with whatever is left over, right? So I run a very, very, very simple mechanism of a consulting company.
0: <clears throat> and how long do they keep you on retainer? Forever?
1: Six months, year, two years, five years. Longest is about 20-some plus years. Wow. That's and cool. And some, some, some are now retainers friends, you know? Yeah. I have a client in Brentwood who created Homeless But Not Toothless. And uh, he built, you know, has become really successful. And uh, I've known him for 30-plus years. And he's my friend, and he's not really a client anymore, but I still see him once a quarter and work on some stuff.
0: And what is that business? Is he a dentist?
1: He's a dentist, yeah. Wow. We were at a Chinese restaurant with this idea of, Helping homeless people with tooth and stuff. And I remember that because I got I got, I got loud at the time. I said, "You got to do this business for real. And he was true to his word, and he did. And he made a difference in 100,000 people's lives.
0: So how did he get paid?
1: He's a dentist. He owns a dental office. Uh, here in Brentwood, Concierge Dental is his company. Uh,
0: so he has a regular practice, but then yeah. he just decided to help.
1: Yeah, wow. yeah. He and then he and other dentists got together and built this. It's a big charity, you know, homeless but not toothless, almost not toothless. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's That's done amazing, amazing things. I know. I'm blown away by it. So my clients have done some amazing things. I get, I get to be part of that, you know, and I'm grateful.
0: Wow. And then you also have subs. subs like people who you're also
1: affiliates okay so this is what happened yeah, gonna... yeah. paul comes to me and goes robert i gotta go to austin texas why I'm, I'm falling in love with this girl i'm gonna marry her can she come to you no i'm gonna go there and eventually he becomes his own company he goes to buffalo new york and he goes i need to start working with you what happened i was delivering pizza because i could not get a job and I went to meeting, and there two guys are arguing something stupid. So I butt in. I told the answer. And they want to hire me as a consultant. So I'm going to be a consultant sick. now. Knowledge protects you, right? Wow. So,
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah, so, and then I got clients, uh, affiliates in Toronto, because I met Julian Vodek which key, and uh, he got sick. But I said, let me build a company around you. And we did. So there's now two companies, RSCBG.com, Business Training Pro in Toronto that's growing, and that RSC sales. It's all theirs. I get a certain percentage of their sales, but uh, um, affiliates are growing as a result.
0: <clears throat> and how do they relate to you? Like, what's the relationship of the affiliate?
1: I am now 61 years old, and they're in their 40s and 30s, so... And and Aurelius. Yeah, thirties, yeah. So I guess I'm I'm Stephen now and there are me Yeah. Wow. And uh yeah.
0: you've become the monk.
1: I become the monk, but I'm married with a dog. Oh okay. German okay, shepherd. Okay. <laughs> And A lot of nieces and nephews.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So so Robert, this has been very, very interesting. I can see why you're so special as a coach. If you were going to, like, what would you want to see in the next five years? If your company was just doing its thing, like, what impact on the world? Would you like I would to love
1: see? to say that because of my participation and our team's participation, uh, we helped 3,000 to 6,000 businesses grow in the United States and the world. Wow. And, and as a result, they have great families and... A lot of fun, because uh, I think the small business path to freedom and, yeah. and, and choice. And uh, I don't care about government. I don't care about politics. I believe people need to have hands, their skills and know-hows to run teams and individuals and groups so they can make a living and be happy. So for me, wow. uh, business is a pathway of, excuse me, let me close this. business is really a pathway for love is an affluence in the world and it's a pathway for delight and success because having the right business it it gives you so much and having the right knowledge gives so much possibilities and you're able to make promises become real
0: Hmm. so it seems you know my experience is a lot of people starting small businesses don't succeed are you you can provide them with what's missing that they can't see so that they do succeed. It seems right. like that's a big, big,
1: big difference. Yeah, let me give you a little gift time. here. Um, all money is promise and request made between people to fulfill upon a particular future. So if something comes about, then you get paid for it because promise was kept. Something doesn't come about. You get to do a lot of times. What happens is people make big promises. They don't get to keep. They gamble on the promises, so that declarations for possibility becomes actually uh, lies over time. That's why businesses fail. So as a businessman, you have to learn to number one provide what people want, and two be able to keep promises over time. Again, 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 again. And if you can do that, if you can make a promise, keep a promise check a promise and own when things go wrong You can be a successful business
0: so it must be that the promise is defined in a way that it can be kept
1: yes a lot of smaller businesses make promises that cannot be kept and it cannot be kept again 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 they keep it once but then after they burn out so you wanna find what is the business you keep on a regular basis and you know, on a regular basis and grow on a regular basis, mm. and it's a joy. Wow, and Wow. Yeah, thank one, you. One, thank you, one more thing. Yeah, you. you want yeah. to keep, uh, make promise and keep a promise in a, in a group of people who need you again, again, and again. Otherwise, you have a really great. Big thing happened, nothing and it makes really it makes it really hard.
0: So that so they don't just need you once, they have to keep needing you?
1: Yes. Otherwise you're gonna spend more time selling and marketing than doing your craft.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well it sounds like you have an amazing model that works, that is effective, and that you've impacted many, many lives. What anything you would like to say in closing?
1: No, I just want to th- thank you for uh, being the voice and the possibility for truth and business in your environment because I think shows like you allow people like us to share and introduce to the communities. And uh, without you, we wouldn't exist in people's awareness from mind or hearts. So thank you for causing existence of us in their mind and hearts. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And thank you for being amazing in what you're doing and what you're doing for the world. So, yay. Thank Thank you you very much. Okay. Thank you for watching this episode. I started getting real with Hillary when I discovered that I was a people-pleasing, pleasant phony, and wanted to be more of my real self. We can grow together if you will like the show, subscribe to my channel, and share this episode with your friends and family so that we can have a world that's more real.